Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Basak, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusito. Happy Kokomo Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on August 11th. I am Frank Sample joined by the Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Today on the show, Matt Olson has tied the league lead in home runs. 40 homers for Matt Olson. Matthew Liberatore was awesome in a revenge game against Tampa Bay. Week 21 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get started, help us out by liking this video and subscribing on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's jump in. Oh my good goodness gracious! Hey there, Scotty. How you doing? Oh my goodness gracious. Good. Player of the night. Uh, you had the better one. I gave you the breadstick, but I will take the second best choice, which is Reese Olsen. Reese Olsen had the best start of his career against the Twinkies today. Two hits over six shutout innings, struck out eight, did walk three, but you know, the good stuff, two hits, no runs, eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Uh, it, not only was it his best start, and by a pretty considerable margin, I'll say, it was his first start that was anything close to good in uh, in five, I think it was. I wrote down four, but I actually think it was five. It had been a while. It had been a while. I'd basically dumped results in everywhere. I had excitedly picked them up originally. And so I'm kind of encouraged by this. Kind of not. Because he was facing the Twins, and the Twins have by far the highest strikeout rate against right-handed pitchers. After this, it's probably up to like 28%, which is ridiculous. I mean, just, just think about on an individual level, that, that, that a strikeout rate approaching 30% is, is somebody who uh, we're, we're liable to dismiss on this podcast. So if... The Twins, that's happening for their entire lineup against right-handed pitchers. It's, it's a good reason to consider just about any righty against the Twins, particularly one with a modicum of strikeout potential like we've seen from Reese Olsen. I'm probably not picking up Olsen again. He just hasn't gone deep enough into starts even when he has pitched well. And being a rookie, how likely is that to change? And pitching for the Tigers, what is it all going to add up to anyway? But it was nice to see him show that show that potential once again. Yeah, uh, look, the fourteen swinging strikes again. It's you know you got to take it with a grain of salt going up against this Minnesota Twins team. And uh, looking into his pitch mix, his slider, four seam, and changeup have all performed quite well this year. His sinker has been awful. So Reese Olson, Detroit Tigers organization. If you're listening. 
just scrap it, man. Scrap the sinker. Let's go four seam slider and change up because in terms of batting yeah. average against and whiff rates, those pitches have actually performed quite well uh, for resources. I, I do think I do think Olsen's a pretty interesting dynasty asset. I just don't think there's a path for him to be relevant this year, mm-hmm. given the way the Tigers have handled him and, and the current state of the Tigers. But yeah, that slider, that slider looks like a legit pitch. It is probably also worth noting he's face he's 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 lined up to face the Twins again next week. So maybe he'll do this again. I don't have him among my ten sleeper pitchers for next week. You know he, he's he's worthy of considering as a streamer option. But again, yeah, I mean you look at his track record for this year. This was only his second quality start. It was the only time he had gone. It was only his second time he had gone six innings. The first time he it was barely a quality start. He allowed three earned runs. There just hasn't been enough. There hasn't been enough good starts for me to to trust in lightning striking twice, even with the favorable matchup against the Twins. Yeah, I, I hear you there. And typically for a young pitcher facing the same offense two starts in a row, even if it's a good matchup, you know, I get a little weary about a situation like that. You know, they just saw him, so you know they kind of uh, they know what to expect. So um, it's a great start here for Reese Olsen, but you know it was a shorter slate, so. Uh, Not too many huge standouts here on Thursday. The other one was Matthew Liberator, who had the best start of his career as well. The ultimate revenge game at the Tampa Bay Rays, if you remember way back in the day. I don't know. It's what, three years ago? It's really not that far. Um, But he was traded for Randy Rosarena uh, from Tampa Bay, going to the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, a great start. Eight shutout innings, two hits, zero walks, a career-high seven strikeouts for Liberator, 15 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. Uh, He had everything working. Four swinging strikes on the fastball, four on the curve, three on the sinker, three on the slider, and uh, velocity was up across the board here between one and 1.7 miles per hour on basically all of his pitches, and... Something I noticed in this start, he did change the pitch mix a little bit. Faded the four-seam fastball in the curve, and he threw more change-ups and sliders. Kind of went with this diverse pitch mix. Used five different pitches between 14% and 32%. So I almost wonder in the same way that like a Josiah Gray has done it, or Mitch Keller dating back to last year, just throwing more pitches and kind of mixing it up. Maybe that's the route. The, the way to get the best out of Matthew Liberator. Again, we're not adding him. We need to see a lot more after this start. But this was a guy that did have some prospect pedigree, and this was an amazing start. Scott, your thoughts on uh, Liberator dominating the Rays? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what to make of it since it is an isolated event. This was, this was only the third start he's made that could be considered anything in the vicinity of good and clearly the best of them. If he can sustain this improved velocity on the curveball and slider and is able to to feature them as prominently as he did in this one, then then maybe there is a path forward for him. But, you know, an, it, right now it's an incident. It's not a trend yet. And so I'm not going to bet on it becoming a trend. Interestingly, when we did have some excitement for him when he first came up, it's because he was throwing his fastball much harder. And that's normalized since then it it lasted a couple outings and then pretty much returned to normal his curveball velocity has remained up this whole time and was even better in this start so it's just kind of interesting again it's i'm I'm not willing to bet much of anything on liberator at this point but there may he may have showed what his path is to becoming a usable fantasy option It wouldn't surprise me if he puts together two good starts because next week he's facing the Oakland A's. Again, I'm not trusting it. Um, Maybe if you're playing an NL-only league and you're super desperate, you have no one else you could throw Matthew Libertor out there. He's 12% rostered. Let's see what he does next week against the Oakland A's. And let's just stick with the rest of the waiver wire pitchers here. Scott, you mentioned Reese Olsen, Libertor. Two other names that I noticed here. Dean Kramer. It's like, we're on again. We're off again with Dean Kramer. Strong start uh, up against the Houston Astros. Obviously a really tough matchup. Seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him. Not many swinging strikes. Allowed a lot of hard contact. Velocity was down. I don't know that I'd take too much away from this start for Dean Kramer. And Noah Syndergaard has now had two solid starts in three outings with the Cleveland Guardians. He was facing Toronto. That's actually a throwback revenge game, too. I, I don't 
know how much he cares about facing the Blue Jays, but once was a uh, Blue Jays farmhand back in the day. Uh, five and two-thirds innings, one run, five strikeouts for Syndergaard. Did have 12 swinging strikes and also completely changed the pitch mix in this one for uh, for Syndergaard. Scott, anything on Dean Kramer and Cindy? I mean, the re- uh, D- Dean Kramer... D- Dean Kramer is the ultimate embodiment of the random number generator effect that we're seeing at starting pitcher. And it's led to like a 450 ERA overall. The the expected numbers are even worse, frankly. But because he pitches for a good team and because the good starts are, are like this, they go seven innings. It's hard to completely write him off, especially in points leagues. In Roto leagues, you know, you may not be able to stomach the ups and downs as much, particularly when it's going to result in a 450 ERA. But I do think, I do think Kramer has some utility in in points leagues. I don't, I don't know exactly when to decide when to use him and not, since it is a random number generator. It doesn't even seem that tied to matchups. He was facing Houston this time. Two start weeks, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but there's some utility there, I would say. And Cindergard, eh, I'm <laughs> not, uh, I'm not sold on him. It's it was it was a day of a it was a day of good pitching performances from pitchers that need to sell us a lot harder than this. Basically, it's so frustrating too, Scott, because you know for most of the year, Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, guys we take in the second and third round, they've looked pretty bad, right, for the most part, and then we have guys like. Dean Kramer, Noah Syndergaard, Liberator, they go out here on Thursday and they put together these awesome starts in nobody's lineup. Like No one's starting them, right? So it's just like, it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, for Dean Kramer, I did want to look up the splits real quick. I'm pretty sure he's much better at home this year. Uh, no, I lied. He has a 509 ERA at home, a 370 ERA on the road. That's pretty big sample size for him too. Uh, he's at the Padres next week. They're 19th in Woba against righties. I don't know. Uh, I guess if you're desperate and you're looking for a single star streamer, it might work, at least based on the home road splits this year for Dean Kramer. Not that I'm too excited about that. Scott, let's talk about Matt Olson, your boy, on the Atlanta Braves, two for five with his 40th home run, ties the league lead with Shohei Otani. I brought this up a few times. People are probably tired of hearing it. Before the season started, I bet on Matt Olson to lead baseball in home runs, Scott. So, uh, oh, that's why you're bringing this up. I, I bring it up a lot. I'm, I'm very excited right now. I think it's how like much a, money? It's like a twenty dollar bet to win six hundred dollars. I'm, I'm kind of excited. Okay. So, let's go, All Matt right, Olson. It's, it's not life changing money. <laughs> no, nah, it's not life changing. You're, you're a, you're a low roller here. Uh, well, you know, Scott, uh, trying to move into a, a co-op, you need all the money you can get. Mm. It's a, it's a busy yeah, time. I here. understand. I have a living room full of yard sale furniture. <laughs> the YouTube chat, by the way, they are relentless, man. They are, <laughs> they're giving <laughs> they are, it to you tonight. They man. are heckling my living room so hard today. <laughs> Seriously. It's a, little, uh, it's a little distracting. Yeah. Let's talk about Matt Olson, by the way, uh, 40 home runs again. Uh, he's batting 267. The, the county stats are insane. 87 runs scored, 101 RBI, 979 OPS. He was on pace. These were his pace numbers before this game. 57 homers, 126 runs scored, 147 RBI. The question I wanted to pose to you, Scott, is where do you see Matt Olson being valued next season? I, look, we still have a lot of time left this year, but we're going to try and work in some analysis for next year, some dynasty content, just to keep everybody involved. What are your thoughts? What, what do you think Matt Olson goes and drafts next season? Well, gosh, there's no reason to believe the Braves lineup's going to get any worse. So, you know, obviously he's a, he's a, um, he's, he's proven to be one of the elite power hitters in the game. In fact, I saw a stat just last week. I, I, I assume it's still true the way Olsen's been performing, but since he debuted, he leads all major leaguers in home runs or, or since he hit his first home run, which I think was in his major league debut. So yeah, in 2017, during that span of time, Aaron Judge is second at least at the time, at the time somebody tweeted this out. I forget who it was, <laughs> but it was a trustworthy source. So, um, so yeah, he's, he's a legit power hitter. We've, we've known that, of course. He has now set a career high in home runs. This is kind of what we were hoping for last year when the Braves acquired him, going from that big ballpark in Oakland to uh, a more favorable park in Atlanta. And so 
Yeah, I mean, and I, I know I've said at the start of the second half that, oh, he's at his hottest right now. Maybe maybe we should be careful not to overvalue him while he's at his hottest. But it's it's been it's been a struggle adjusting my ranking rest of season rankings at first base all year. What to do with him and Vladimir Guerrero, who's been a perpetual underachiever. Uh, Pete Alonso, who's had some ups and downs related to that wrist injury, right? It was a wrist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then Paul Goldschmidt, who's, you he's, know, I'm, I'm, I'm being careful not to bury. He slowed. Of, he has slowed down quite a bit. Though. Yeah. yeah I, in fact, I think at this point, Jamer Candelario is outscoring him for the year or they're very close anyway. I've moved Matt Olson up to second. Same. Behind just Freddie Freeman, of course. And, Unless something dramatically changes here over the next six weeks, I imagine that's how I'll draft him next year. So what is the second first baseman worth? Where, where does he deserve to go? It's, it's kind of a weak position. But, you know, that, that, that is kind of a crowded tier because I, I won't tier him separately from Alonzo and, and Guerrero and presumably Goldschmidt unless he just continues to spiral. Uh, so I'm thinking... I'm thinking, I'm thinking it'll be around the two three turn. I don't think he'll slip all the way to round four. That's I, what I'm thinking. I think what it'll. Thinking? I think it'll be earlier than that. I, I filibustered the heck out of that. Yeah. So I hope. I hope you've been thinking about what you think. I think if he gets to 50 home runs, and what you mentioned, there's no reason to think that the Braves lineup will slow down next year. They have all these guys under contract, right? They're in the primes of their career. Matt Olson entering Thursday, the fourth overall player in Roto, the fifth best hitter in head-to-head points leagues. It's kind of da- it's a dangerous game buying a player coming off of a career year. We talk about that a lot. It's like, okay, why don't you just buy the dip on Pete Alonso next year if he winds up in like the third or fourth round and instead of taking Matt Olson in the second round. It, that'll be a conversation that we'll have. But in terms of 50 home runs and these kind of counting stats, it's... It's really, really impressive stuff. So I think he's going to wind up being a second round pick, but um, yeah. maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see. I mean, that's basically what I said. I, yeah. He'll be drafted next year, kind of like Pete Alonzo was drafted this year. I think that makes sense. Uh, all right, Matt Olson, you've been awesome. Continue to hit home runs because we want to make some money. Let's talk about some waiver wire hitters here, uh, hitters here. And again, not too many names to talk about. But Yiner Diaz, two for five with his 15th home run. He's batting 275 with an 815 OPS. He has started seven of a possible 14 games since Jordan Alvarez has returned. Uh, Diaz has appeared in 11 of them. He's 40% rostered. Is this playing time enough, Scott, to make Yiner Diaz an ad in one catcher leagues? Started in seven of 14 games since Alvarez has returned. And this was only his second start in five games. Yeah. But so I'm going to lean no on this. Feels like whenever he plays, he hits home run. <laughs> I mean, if you play in a 15-team two-catcher league, he probably deserves to be rostered. Sure. But I think even even like two catchers and two catcher 12-team league, eh, it's kind of I think kind of so. borderline. I think you so. think yes? Yeah, I think rock solid, top 20 guy. Okay. I get the question comes down to again if you're streaming the the back half of the top 12 catchers, right? If you play in a one catcher, 12 team league, the back half is a little sketchy there. 11th and 12th. You know, we talked about MJ Melendez yesterday. He's been hot in the second half. Like who would you rather have MJ Melendez or Yiner Diaz? Well, that's fair, but you also have Mitch Garver who's been useful of late. Although it sounds like, uh, Sounds like Jonah Himes coming back next week. He won't be able to play as much as he was prior to the torn tendon sheath in his wrist because it sounds like he's only going to bat left-handed, and who knows how well that's going to go. So I do think Mitch Garver's in the mix now. Uh, Danny Jansen has proven his worth again recently. I know he left after a hit-by-pitch in this game, but no, no fractures, so he's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess Yiner Diaz deserves to be mentioned within that group and MJ Melendez is in the same vicinity too. It's a lot of catchers who are just kind of interesting, but you wouldn't really go near them in a one catcher league because of 
playing time concerns mostly. The other name here, Scott, Brian Rocchio. This is a deeper league play, much deeper. Two for four with two doubles and two RBI. He led off for the Guardians on Thursday. Does have some prospect pedigree. Uh, didn't do too much in the minors this year, but was much better last year. Has flashed some power and speed. He's 9% rostered. We're talking 15-team uh, Roto League scout with a middle infield spot. Any interest here on Brian Rocchio? He shows up really high on the prospect rankings still, but the numbers just haven't been there in the minors, and there isn't a lot in the underlying metrics to suggest latent or dormant or latent. Yeah, I guess latent's the better word. Latent potential. Yeah, I'm I'm skeptical. Okay. Uh, it's nice to see him batting leadoff. And, like, even, okay, does he rate high because of his defense? Well, they're playing him at third base, not shortstop. So how much confidence do they have in his defense, really? I don't know. Just not enough power. He homered three times the entire year at AAA. And he did have 18 between two levels last year. But again, like the exit velocity readings, all that stuff, not great. He started at third base on Thursday, but you know, typically Jose Ramirez plays there. They moved Ramirez to DH for, for this game. So I think more often than not, Rokio will play shortstop, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, he has, I guess I, uh, maybe the two times I looked were the two starts he made at third base. I guess this was, this was the third start. He's made at third base, four starts at shortstop. So he's been bouncing between the two. He does have third base eligibility on CBS. So I don't know, maybe he's been playing there more than I actually realized. Jorge Polanco, Scott, a name we haven't talked about since he's returned. He has played 13 games. He's batting only 182 with one home run and a 639 OPS. Still a pretty small sample size. I guess there's a chance that he does get going at some point here, but Royce Lewis is on a rehab assignment. Sounds like he could be back soon. Uh, Is it time to drop Jorge Polanco, Scott? I think so in the average fantasy league. Obviously, a a league of more depth. You'll want to be more patient because... There aren't great alternatives uh, among hitters, among anything, really. But eh, in the average fantasy league, I, I think playing time is going to be an issue. And he, it, between all the injuries, he hasn't shown much at the plate all year. Would you drop Jorge Polanco for Orlando Arcia, who we spoke about the other day? If I needed to start somebody now, yeah. What about if, Zach Geloff? Hit another home run on Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. I don't know. I just I'm not feeling Geloff. I'm mm. not. I know he's I know he has a decent home run and stolen base total for the short time he's been in the majors so far and he's playing every day, but high strikeout rate, low exit velocity, that's a bad combination. Particularly bad lineup, big ballpark. I'd rather start him than Polanco right now, I guess, but mm-hmm. in the long run. I'm not willing to bet he'll be better than Polanco. Scott, I invite you to recheck those exit velocity numbers on Zach Geloff. He is up to a 92.2 average exit velocity with a 14% barrel rate, which is pretty awesome. Max EV, 107.6. That's a bad max exit velocity, and that's a better indicator of power potential than average exit velocity. That's true. But it's a small sample size. I don't know. I, I really like what I've seen from Geloff. If you play in a shallow league and, you know, again, you just you want to ride the hot hand and get rid of Polanco, dump him. I have no problem uh, dropping him for a name like Zach Geloff the way he's playing right now. Let's take our first break. When we return, we'll talk about a few struggling pitchers. Hunter Brown, Bryce Elder. We'll talk about those names right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. A quick reminder to follow us on TikTok if you haven't already. TikTok.com slash at FBTPod or just hop on TikTok and search up FBT pod and make sure to follow us. We throw up some uh, shorter clips with some highlights covering them, talking about you know big plays. The other day I made one Kyle Tucker facing Felix Bautista, players of the night, latest news, all that kind of fun stuff. Follow us on TikTok at FBT pod. And Scott, I got to give a shout out once again. Rotoware, they did it. They did it again. They recreated the original Die Hard movie poster with Matt McClain's face on it. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And on the top, it says Yippie Kaye. It's, I had to do it. I saw it. I was like, got to get it. Awesome shirt. Uh, Buy more <laughs> sports apparel than anyone I've ever known in my life. That's true. That is a true. Like, how often do you rewear anything? Uh, I don't know. On this podcast, it's like I only wear baseball shirts pretty much. I was looking through my wardrobe today. It's a lot of a lot of baseball shirts. It's it's, it's player shirts, random names. It's these rotoware shirts. It's I don't know. It's become my whole wardrobe basically. But it's awesome stuff. So make sure you go check it out. Uh, Rotoware.com. What do we do with these struggling pitchers? Hunter Brown uh, struggle. He has struggled for some time now. He was at the Orioles, which. You know, typically it's good ballpark to pitch in, but a very tough lineup to face right now. Six innings, five runs allowed, seven strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 97 pitches, but has been the case all season. A lot of hard contact allowed in this one. 10 hard hits allowed for Hunter Brown. Uh, did not have his curveball working in this one, which has been his best pitch all season. So you take that away. I think it's pretty obvious he was going to struggle here. And, uh, he did turn in three quality starts before this, but if you look at his last nine starts overall, 563 ERA, a 144 whip, still over a strikeout per inning. He's 94% rostered. Scott, what are we doing with Hunter, Hunter Brown? Are you still starting him at the Marlins next week? I might. It's a good matchup. Not as good of a matchup as it used to be. It, it really just depends what else I have. I mean, Hunter Brown's not an automatic start at this point. He's not an automatic set at this point. He's just... He is a hold, though. You're not dropping him. No, I mean, there have been enough good starts. And, you know, even though the strikes have been down recently, he's a good ground ball pitcher, so that's something that's something he can get away with. He, Him being a rookie, you're probably thinking, oh, at this point in the season, are the innings beginning to pile up for Hunter Brown? But back when I wrote that article, which three weeks ago... <laughs> 15 pitchers who uh, who who looked like they were going to have innings issues soon. Hunter Brown was among them, but he was the lowest level of concern for me. He is at, let's see, he had 126 and a third last year. Mm, couple, A little bit more if you count the playoffs. And he's not, like he's still 15 innings away from that. And of course he's going to be able to go well beyond what he did last year before they... They worry about limiting his innings. Will it affect his performance once he gets past that that uh, that previous high? I guess that's possible, but I think he's okay as long as you don't treat him as more than like a matchups play. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Hunter Brown at the Marlins next week. It's a big ballpark. I I think I'd be all right starting him there, but you know, I think he's closer to the back end of my top fifty now compared to you know for a lot of the year he was inside of my top. 40 top 35 so he has fallen down the rankings a little bit uh that is hunter brown let's talk about bryce elder who allowed five runs over five innings pitched against the pirates who they have been pretty pesky in this series against the atlanta braves he gave up eight hard hits in this game uh really lean into his sinker for some reason 53 percent usage um his slider and his changeup again it's Look, there's more that goes into pitching than just me looking at the results and saying, oh, your slider and your changeup are good. You should throw those pitches more. I understand there's a whole <laughs> lot of 
what am I feeling that day and, and sequencing and all that kind of stuff. But it just kind of feels like Bryce Elder should be using his secondary pitches more because they've been much better uh, than his sinker at this point this season. Over his yeah. last 12 starts, I'm looking at Scott, he's allowed four or more runs in six of those. He's got a 537 ERA, a 133 whip during that time. He's still 93% rostered. Same question. Are we holding? Are we starting next week at home against the Yankees? And it's a pretty good matchup, but I don't think I'd be willing to start Bryce Elder. He's he's droppable, I suppose, if that's your your way of getting Cole Reagans or Chase Zilseth or Gavin Williams, who's still available in a decent number of leagues. More available than Bryce Elder, anyway. I'd take any of them over Elder at this point. Would you do it for Emerson Hancock? No, because... I, I think I kind of think Emerson Hancock's going to be elder like maybe maybe with more strikeouts, but I don't think he's going to be a big source of strikeouts. And really, I think with elder, it may be as simple as he's just not commanding his pitches well enough right now. He's putting himself in, in bad counts and um, struggling to put hitters away as a result. So I noticed I broke it down a little differently. You gave the numbers from his last 12 starts. I I looked at his first 15 starts versus his last eight. First 15 starts, 64% strike rate. Last eight, 61% strike rate. Neither of those is good, particularly good, but 61 is more like bad than 64% is. Uh, while he was getting 64% strikes, 7.5K per nine. While he was getting 61% strikes, 4.8 K per nine. So I think he's, he may not be like, it may not be like the, the, the roof caving in here so much as just, he's not sharp right now, you know, and it's having kind of a snowball effect for him. I, I, some regression was due, no doubt when he had, it was only a few starts ago. He had an ERA in the mid twos still. Now it's, verging what is it now 364 364 yeah it's going from 245 to 364 uh in his past six starts but i do think there's still a pretty good pitcher here and a pretty good pitcher on a great offensive team can become a very valuable pitcher in fantasy so i don't think he's a dump across the board but again if you can get one of the really exciting up-and-comers that uh, that we've seen in recent weeks, Reagan's, Silseth, et cetera, then I'd be fine with that. I don't think we need to have as long of a conversation for this next player, but I think we're done with Alec Manoa, right? At the Guardians, four runs over four innings, three more walks for him, and in six starts since returning to the Blue Jays, a 491 ERA, a 143 whip, still 79% rostered at the Reds next week. Alec Manoa, your thoughts? I mean, his previous star was decent. I'll give him that. But yeah, I don't know what it's going to take at this point. It was decent, but sorry. I'm kind of kind of in my own head here. All right, so exactly what happened to Alec Manoa in his last start? Three earned runs and six and two-thirds innings, five strikeouts, just two walks. He's a quality start. If that's the best Alec Manoa is going to do, it's not worth keeping him around. And... uh I don't know what it's going to take. As bad as his bad starts have been, I don't know what it's going to take for me to trust having him in my lineup again. So I just think it's too late in the year for him for to to like with the idea that you know there's there's this big upside you're going to miss out on if you drop him. I, I think it's too late in the year for you to realistically to 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 cash that in, even if it happens, even if it does come true and he figures it out and he's back and. Yeah, I just think it's probably not worth it. To put it in perspective, Alec Manoa was dropped in my most important league, NFBC main event, 15-team Roto League, very deep rosters, obviously. He's dropped. He's still 98% rostered in that format, but at least in the league that I play in, the 2% of leagues, he was dropped in a league that deep. So, uh, And, you know, these are pretty smart people playing. So, yeah, I think I think Alec Manoa can, can go. It's, like you said, just too late in the season. 
Some impressive veteran pitching performances here, Scott. I've got a group of four names that pitched on Thursday. Kent Maeda, a tough luck loss at the Tigers. Six innings, one run allowed with four strikeouts in this one. Velocity was up across the board. He has a 236 ERA, a .95 whip in nine starts since returning to the Twins. Aaron Nola was solid against the Nationals. Five innings, one run, six strikeouts there. James Paxton, also solid against the Royals. Five and a third shutout, six strikeouts. Noticed his velocity was down pretty substantially. It was kind of raining off and on in that start, so I'm like, maybe you give James Paxton the benefit of the doubt, but definitely something to watch for his next start as well. Clayton Kershaw, did make his return to the Dodgers. He was facing the Rockies. Five innings, one run, four strikeouts. Only got up to 67 pitches. It looks like they're kind of playing it safe with Kershaw for now. Any thoughts here, Scott? Kershaw, Paxton, Nola, and Kentamaida. So, yeah, I mean, I noticed the velocity being down for Paxton, too. I'm going to go back to the line I said earlier, where right now it's an incident. It's not a trend. I did go through the game log for Paxton. He had, He's had starts sprinkled in this year where the average fastball velocity was like low 94. And in this one, it was the lowest of the year, 93.7. But it's in that same range. And then he bounced back with like 96 in his next start. So there's been a bit of fluctuation there for him throughout the year. No reason to panic, I would say, over James Paxton. But given his injury history, something to keep an eye on. And uh, as for the others, you know, I still think... I still think Nola is somebody to stick with through thick and thin. And so that's what I'm going to do. If I have him, that's what I'm doing with him. And starts like this are encouraging. Obviously, he went only five innings. That's uncharacteristic for Nola, but the actual performance was good. He's been getting a lot of whiffs with the curveball lately. I mean, yeah, I think I think he's been... It's, it's a little harder to say in Roto Leagues because I know the ERA is high, but in points leagues, I mean, he's he's among the top scoring pitchers still because of that volume he gives. So it's a little easier to justify stick, sticking through, sticking with him through thick and thin in a points league for Nola. And then for Maeda, I'll just give the, the updated stat, the updated stat line that I'm always referring to. If you eliminate the 10-run outing before he landed on the I.L., with a triceps injury, Kenta Maeda has a 2.73 ERA, 0.96 WHIP, 10.6 K per nine this year. All right, on Aaron Nola, by the way, there's not much that you could do with this at this point in the season. There's not much that that's actionable. But I was updating the rankings the other day. I, I moved them down a little bit. SP 22. I, I lowered him behind. You know those names that we've been expecting to do. I guess do more this season, like the Pablo Lopez's and the Logan Gilbert's George Kirby's been rock solid. Uh, Blake Snell. We know he's been on a, a run for quite some time. Jesus Lazardo. I think I mentioned recently, he's like a top 15 SP in both points leagues and Roto league. So I moved Nola behind those names, uh, but I did just look it up. He's entering today. He was 20th in points leagues, Aaron Nola, the 20th starting pitcher. Yeah. So after this start, it'll probably get him up around 15. Um, so I hear what you're saying. You're under ranking him, Frank. Is that true? I'm just kidding. It's obviously <laughs> the rest of season rankings, not what they've done up to this point. Otherwise, they'd be very easy to put together. Yeah. I am curious in seeing what he is in Roto. And it might be higher than you think. It's going to take a minute to count it. Gosh, he's behind you, say Kikuchi. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely rather have Aaron Ola than you, say Kikuchi. Okay. Let me put it into my spreadsheet here, and that'll help me count faster. 32nd in Roto. That is a big disparity between points leagues and Roto. Wow. Yeah. But 32nd's still good. It's good, but... Not what you drafted Aaron Nola to be, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, he was drafted as like a top 12 starting pitcher, so it's, I guess, a pretty big letdown. You know, just in the the conversation of stardom or sit him. Oh, yeah, obviously, sure. if you have ERA issues, maybe you sit them, but otherwise, you'll probably want to stick with them. All right, let's talk about some news and notes. Bo Bichette has been hitting in the batting cage and jogging, but is not yet running at full speed. He's missed all of August with right patellar tendonitis. Bryce Harper was removed Thursday due to back spasms. Joe Musgrove is expected to begin playing catch around August 24th. He's entering the second of a three-week shutdown period following his August 4th placement 
on the IL due to right shoulder inflammation. Chris Sale will be limited to about four innings in his return to the rotation. Friday, he threw 54 pitches in his last rehab outing. He's facing the Tigers on Friday. Scott, would you start Sale in a daily lineup league? Yeah, I would. The matchup makes it easier. But, you know, he got a bunch of strikeouts on his rehab assignment. Feeling pretty confident. All right. Late late season surge here from Chris Sale. Carlos Rodon threw from flat ground on Wednesday. The indication is that Rodon could need just a minimum stay on the IL, which would put him in line to return for a home series against the Nationals that begins on August 22nd. But honestly... I don't know if we will start Carlos Rodon when he returns because he was quite bad. Justin Turner is dealing with a left heel bone bruise that typically requires four to six weeks of downtime, but he plans to play through the injury. I would not be surprised one bit if the uh, production starts to fade because of this injury for Justin Turner. So just something to keep in mind. Walker Bueller touched 93 miles per hour during a one inning simulated game on Wednesday, typically averages 95 miles per hour. He also acknowledged... His original goal of returning on September 1st is not realistic, but should return at some point yeah. down the stretch. I mean, I guess. I, I feel less confident seeing this report than I did, what was it, a week ago when Dave Roberts was saying, oh, he's on the verge of a rehab assignment. Mm-hmm. Well, his, you know, he's still two miles, per hour, two miles per hour below what he normally is. How, how much rehabbing does he have ahead of him still? I think a decent amount. Uh, and and also, I think the report said it wasn't clear what role he'd have when he did return. So it yeah. just, I'm not confident he's going to have enough time to stress out, uh, to stretch out. Yeah. And so, you know, unless you just have a spare IL spot, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting too much stock in Bueller this year. I'm not too worried about the velocity because I feel like even when we see guys start up in spring training, you know, there's always a few names out there. Oh, they're down two miles per hour. And then by the time the season starts, they usually get built up. So I think yeah. it should be all right. But in terms of how much is he going to help fantasy teams this year? It's probably not much. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think the velocity being where it is now is necessarily an indication of he'll never get it back. I, I was just put, I was just speaking to it from the perspective of, well, he still has a ways to go. Yeah. If it's if it's not up to ninety five yet, although it is also worth noting, this is Walker Bueller's second Tommy John surgery, and that returning from a second Tommy John surgery isn't nearly as reliable as turning returning from a first. So, uh, I, I think there it, it's widely assumed he's just going to be back to ace level next year. I'd be careful with that. Um, maybe he will. But I'm, it's not the same as the first Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you know, when he's at his best, he's drafted as a you know top 10 starting pitcher for fantasy. And he'll probably be, what, a top 25 guy? Probably like a SP2, SP3, something like that, I think. I don't, if he is, I don't think I'm going to draft much of him. I'm sure I'll have him in my top 40. I feel pretty confident in that. Right. Uh, I, I guess it kind of depends, too, of what we do see from him down the stretch. True. Interesting conversation on Walker Bueller. O'Neill Cruz has begun a formal running program. He's also been throwing and taking light fielding practice the last couple of weeks. If Cruz's surgically repaired ankle responds well to the running progression, he could head out on a rehab assignment within the next few weeks. I'm thinking we see O'Neill Cruz in September. He's up to 79% rostered. Jose Abreu was out of the lineup Thursday because of lower back discomfort. Chaz McCormick was also out with a bruised left knee. Brendan Rodgers has missed three straight with discomfort in his right hamstring. Garrett Whitlock is on track to return from the IL on Sunday, expected to serve as a multi-inning reliever for the Red Sox. Danny Jansen left after getting hit by a pitch on his right hand. X-rays came back negative. And Randy Vasquez is expected to start for the Yankees Friday against the Marlins. And speaking of Yankee farmhand, Scott, good old Davey Garcia was claimed by the Chicago White Sox. Former top prospect Davey Garcia has a 577 ERA down in the minors since the start of 2019. It's been a rough go. We'll see. Maybe he can revive his career with the White Sox. I, I haven't thought about Davey Garcia <laughs> in a long time. So I think same it, that might be tougher for a Yankees fan than anybody else. Ah, you're throwing the old Yankee fan label on me. Oscar. Huh, you know, 
the, yeah. if the label fits. Yeah, I'm assuming most fantasy podcasts are probably not going to bring up Davey Garcia at this point. So <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. Let's take our final break. And when we return, we will talk week 21 preview here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, and let's preview week 21, the schedule for next week. Six teams with seven games. That includes the D-backs, the Mets, Cardinals, Royals, Padres, and Mariners. 18 teams with six games next week, and six teams with five games. The Guardians, White Sox, Cubs, Phillies, Blue Jays, and the Twins. Starters sit these fringy two-star pitchers. First up, I've got... Bobby Miller, who's facing the Brewers and the Marlins. Pretty good matchups, but over his last nine starts, a 544 ERA and a 145 whip. Scott, your thoughts on Bobby Miller? So it's it's worth pointing out I'm grading all the two-star pitchers on a curve this week because there are only 27 of them by my count. So many teams have only five games. Most of your lineup is, is going to be one-star pitchers. Of the 27 two-star pitchers, there are only 12 that I'm willing to recommend on any level. Bobby Miller is among them, and I actually have him uh, in the in, in, in the tier ahead of the, just the points leagues only option. So I might consider Bobby Miller even in a categories league because the matchups are so good and because he's coming off one of his better starts. Obviously, I might not do that in a normal week for two-star pitchers, but be a little more willing to roll the dice this week. Next up, we have Braxton Garrett facing the Astros and at the Dodgers. I actually don't like that so much. He's in the no thanks tier for me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's pitched okay, but those matchups are really, really tough for Braxton Garrett. Logan T. Allen at the Reds and facing the Tigers. Don't like that so much either. Yeah, he's kind of the opposite because he hasn't pitched very well. He's been very inefficient, but... Those matchups are pretty good. The Reds are uh, not playing too well right now. So In Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, maybe it's a points league for me, but Scott says he's out. Wade Miley uh, has pitched ball this year, but again, tough matchups at the Dodgers, at the Rangers. Right. No thanks. No thanks, and I assume that will be the case for one Brady Singer facing the Mariners and at the Cubs. Mm, would it be me? All right, let's talk two-star pitchers to add and stream. You've got four names on the list. Who are they? I do. Actually, is it five? It's five, isn't it? I have four, unless I copied the wrong list. One, two, three, four. Uh, yeah, you're right. My bad. All good. Yeah, I bumped one at the last. Okay, so I sent you an original list, and then I changed it. I was, okay. <laughs> Only four. <laughs> the fifth, if you must know, is Emerson Hancock at Kansas City at Houston. So if you need more than 10 sleeper pitchers Emerson Hancock is another one to consider but here are the ones I like more than Emerson Hancock Nick Pavetta at Washington at the Yankees those are two good matchups and I can't say for sure those will he will make he will be the starter in both of those games because sometimes they like to use an opener in front of Nick Pavetta 
But two of his last three outings have been legitimate starts, and he looked good in both of them. And obviously, he's been getting a ton of strikeouts for a couple months now. So Nick Pavetta, I think, is a pretty good choice. Miles Michaelis, another random number generator. We were talking about D. Kramer earlier. Michaelis certainly fits the bill as well. Though he does have more... That that random number generator has churned out more good starts than bad since about mid-May. His last 18 starts, Miles Michaelis has a 363 ERA. His matchups this week are... Uh, Oakland and the Mets, who have become a pretty good matchup themselves. Kyle Hendricks. So we got a big group of one-star pitchers I like more than Kyle Hendricks. But in between Mike, Mike, among two start options, Hendricks is facing the White Sox, is facing the Royals. Two pretty good matchups. Kind of a num- random number generator himself. Not a lot of strikeouts even when he pitches well. That's more of a points league recommendation, I would say. And then... I have to mention Graham Ashcraft. Mm. I don't like it. Don't like it one bit. I feel like I feel like the run he's been on is just as much of a fake out as the run he was on back in April. And things kept crashed. Gosh, I can't speak. Things crashed pretty hard thereafter. But he did have 18 whiffs Wednesday against Miami. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if he can do it again. Uh, I know his pitch mix was a little different. He threw a sinker more. I think that helped the the cutter to play off uh, to play up because maybe those two played off each other well. Sinker cutter. But we've seen other starts where Ashcraft used his sinker more and didn't get nearly 18 whiffs. So very skeptical of him overall still, but he does have a 194 ERA in his last eight starts, amazingly. And this week, he is in line to face the Guardians, which is a great matchup, the Blue Jays, which is a not-so-bad matchup, actually. All right, well, if it's a light week for two-star pitchers, Scott, we might be scrambling to find some single-star streamers, and you've got six names on the list here. Who are they? Gavin Williams against the Tigers coming off a breakout start with 12 strikeouts, one hit. He does have another start over the weekend at Tampa Bay, I think it is. Yep. Uh, But if he comes through there, then that makes this start against the Tigers. Recommendation against the Tigers even easier to justify. All right. So the other two big big breakout pitchers from the past couple weeks have tough matchups, actually. Cole Reagans is going against the Cubs in Chicago. And Chase Silseth is facing the Rays. Both of them also have starts coming up this weekend that may sober me up on them. But right now I am very high on both Cole Reagans and Chase Silseth. High enough that if they do look good this weekend still, I'm willing to trust them with those not-so-great matchups given the strikeout potential that they've shown recently. And in Reagan's case, uh, the Cubs lineup is middle of the road against left-handers. It's it's become a top five offense overall in terms of runs scored because I, they had a couple like huge games in Cincinnati, so it moved them way up there in the rankings. But against left-handers, still middle of the road. So I think Chase Silseth, especially at the Cubs, is a fine play. Steven Matz has been hot. He gets the Mets. Uh, Andrew Heaney's looked better. He gets the Brewers. Both of those great matchups. JP France back in the rotation. Astros going six-man for a while. He gets the Mariners, which is a pretty good matchup. And that'll do it for sleeper pitchers. All right, let's slide over to the hitters. Best hitter matchups for next week. The D-backs, the Mets, Cardinals, Rockies, and Mariners. The worst hitter matchups, Angels, Yankees, Rangers, Marlins, and the Nationals. With that being said, Scott, your 10 sleeper hitters for week 21. So the Rockies are on there because they have a full week of home games. We haven't seen that a lot this year, but it's true this week. The Diamondbacks are number one, as you point out. They, they, they're they one of the teams the Rockies are facing in Colorado, so they get the Coors Field effect in three of their seven games. So with that in mind, Nolan Jones is my absolute favorite sleeper hitter this week. And really, it's, it's a distant number one. I don't love this sleeper hitter slate. So if you're, if you're going to pick up anybody and start them off the waiver wire, Nolan Jones is by far the one I feel best about with 
nothing but righties on the schedule, nothing but home games on the schedule. And he's been picking it back up at the plate recently. Among the Diamondbacks, I think you could consider Jake McCarthy. He doesn't play quite every day, but steals a lot of bases, has been batting close to 300 since returning from the minors, and has that series in Colorado. Like I said, also Tommy Pham, who has been pretty much their primary DH since they acquired him for the Mets. Hasn't gotten going, really, with the Diamondbacks, but again, really good matchups, including a series at Colorado. Because there are so many teams playing five games this week, I I I wasn't as I wasn't willing to discriminate against hitters playing five games as much, and specifically the Twins. All five of their games as of now are expected to be against right-handed pitchers. That's good news for Max Kepler. It's really good news for Edward Julian, and it's good news for Matt Walner too. I think they're all fine plays. Um, all all righties, like I said, and the 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 teams they're facing are the Tigers and Pirates. So bad pitchers. Hopefully they can beat up on them. Uh, Tyler O'Neill was back in the lineup after missing some time with an injury. And the Cardinals, as you pointed out, have the third best hitter matchups. Uh, also, I like Kerry Carpenter this week with the Tigers having just one lefty on the schedule. He has been playing every day, by the way. He started to play lefties and righties, but you still rather him face righties. And, uh, you know, not bad matchups. He's been hitting the ball well recently. If you are deciding where to play Shohei Otani next week, as we've said for the entirety of the season, comes down to what you need, pitching versus hitting. But I will point out, uh, as a pitcher, he's been dealing with cramping his last three starts. He's either been checked by the medical staff or he's left early. It seems like each of those past three starts. So keep that in mind. Otani is at the Rangers next week as a pitcher and his six games as a hitter. He's facing Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, John Gray, TBD, Zach Eflin and Zach Littell. Uh, I think the lean for now is obviously to use Shohei Otani as a hitter. Speaking Frank, of. Yes. I hate to point this out. They're going after your room now. Uh-oh, what are, but going after your room and referring to you as me. I'm getting blamed for both rooms that we're broadcasting <laughs> from now. It's not right. What are they saying about my room? It's it's it blue. Looks like a childhood aesthetic. <laughs> got a fat head on the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You got the baby blue paint. Uh, that's, that's factual. I'm piling on. <laughs> <laughs> this, by, by the way, if everyone's w- ever wondered what this is, this this poster that I'm pointing to, that is John Starks. That's a signed John Starks photo of him dunking over Michael Jordan. Uh, so, you know, I got to keep it as New York as possible in, in the background here. So yeah. that's that's what we're working John Starks with. Starks autograph, baby. <laughs> Funny story about that. Actually, uh, we went to this video game bar for one of my birthdays. We didn't even know what it was. We just kind of stumbled across it. We saw them cut the tape open and everything. Their first day open. Turns out John Starks was going to be there signing p- of pictures of him dunking over Jordan. It was amazing. I was so happy. It was one of the coolest birthdays ever. It was just so random and, and awesome. Uh, let's wrap up with some leftovers here, Scott. Some uh, some hitting performances worth mentioning. Jose Altuve, four for five with his ninth home run, pushes him to a 12-game hitting streak. And since returning, he is batting 396 with three homers and six steals. He is awesome. Ryan Mountcastle, also crushing it since returning. 24 games since returning from the IL. 408 batting average with four home runs for him. Riley Green went two for four with a bomb. 110.3 exit velocity, 453 feet. That's basically the only way it's going to leave Comerica Park, but uh, a huge home run there for Riley Green. CJ Abrams, an update here, Scott. Two for five with his 28th steal. 29 games since being moved up to the leadoff spot. He's batting 319 with four homers, 23 runs scored, and 17 steals. 150-game pace, 20 homers, 118 runs, 87 steals, C.J. Abrams. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been great. And in a way, it's not surprising because obviously he was a huge prospect from the time he was drafted, made it to the major leagues at a very young age last year after you know, looking good throughout his minor league career. I don't see a lot in the data that's changed during this hot stretch. 
I, I think a lot of it is just he's actually taking advantage of his speed now. I mean, that's huge. He has plenty of speed. He needs to put it to use. That, that was always going to have to be part of his game if he was going to be a major fantasy asset. And he's he is doing that now, which is the biggest thing. How legit is the hitting? I mean, he's thought to have a good hit tool. It's not like the line drive rate is incredible or the strikeout rate is especially low. I, I don't know what to make of that, but... Uh, as many disappointments if there, as there have been at shortstop this year, Willie Damas, Carlos Correa, et cetera. Uh, I mean, C.J. Abrams is pretty close to must-start in most leagues now, I would say, except the ones with that use the tiniest lineups. I know how to explain it, Scott. I actually found a new stat, one that I am coining right now here on the podcast. Are you ready? All right. No, I'd love to hear it. Yes, and this, this is for young players. I spoke about this yesterday with Zach Eloff. New stat that I just came up with. Expected confidence. Expected confidence. (laughs) That is the new stat that I've come up with for young players. C.J. Abrams moved up to the leadoff spot. He was given confidence. And he has just literally run with it. Obviously, there's no way to quantify that, Scott. But I think it makes sense if you're just, I don't know, talking about it from like a psychological perspective. Uh, (laughs) I spoke about Zach Geloff yesterday. I was watching the A's game. He stepped up to the plate. He was oozing confidence. He just, he looked like he was supposed to be there. He went up there. He just hit a home run. I was like, this dude has it right now. He is, he's just playing with a lot of confidence. So that's my new, uh, that's my new stat, expected confidence. So take that for, for what it's worth. Uh, Trey I mean, Turner. <laughs> why not? Trey Turner, one for four with his 12th home run. Uh, we are grasping at straws here, but on his current homestand, seven games, Trey Turner is batting 370 with two homers, eight RBI, and a stolen base. Let's see where it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Randy Rosarena, we haven't talked about him in a while, Scott. Uh, he did go one for three with two steals here on Thursday. But since the start of July, 31 games, he is batting 175. With He does have three homers and five steals, so that helps. The ground ball rate has jumped back up. It's 49% during that time. He's still hitting the ball hard. 91 mile per hour average exit velocity during that time. It kind of feels like he's he's been really unlucky. I'm sure he, you know, he has scuffled a little bit as well, but... I don't know. Your thoughts on Randy Rosarena? Yeah, he's been bad for a long time now. And, you know, we had kind of gotten past the point where we're like, oh, his expected stats look so bad, but he always outperforms them. So I guess guess we don't need to care about them. And then he has a stretch like this where uh, he's batting. Did you give the numbers already? Last 35 games, 171. I, I gave since the start of July, but yeah, it's yeah. similar. I mean, what are you going to do? I think you're just going to keep starting him, yeah. but it is frustrating and it does call into question. It it does call everything into question again regarding what caliber of player he is for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Man, the batting average, overall batting average down to 256. It's, it's yeah. pretty bad. And he's not running as much as you might think he is either. He's stolen bases, particularly given how much the stolen base landscape has changed. It's nothing to write home about. Right. He has 14 steals on the season. Last year he had 32. So Yeah, with, with the two today, he got up to 14. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think part of it is he's hitting more fly balls this year. He has a career-high 39% fly ball rate. It's led to his, uh, his BABIP coming down, so he's just... He's not on base. Uh, yeah, actually, his OBP is higher this year, but it's weird. You know yeah, it is. is weird. Home run derby ruined him. Ah, uh, got to get that narrative going. No, his uh, always somebody. His expected confidence is in the toilet right now, Scott. That's what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> his confidence was way up that day. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> some bullpen updates here for the Orioles. Felix Bautista entered the ninth with a two-run lead. He gave up one run and converted his thirty-first save. For the Pirates, David Bednar was unavailable. Colin Holderman got the ninth inning. He gave up a run, picked up his second save. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A picked up his 31st. For the Tigers, Alex Lang is in flux right now, I guess you could say. Jason Foley is on the bereavement list. Bo Brisky pitched the final two innings for his second save. The day before, it was Jose Cisnero. So the Tigers' bullpen is... Uh, it's, Kind of messy right now. For the Cardinals, Jojo Romero got the ninth inning with a five-run lead. He gave up two runs. For the Red Sox, Kenley Jansen struck out two for his 26th save. And I was watching the Dodgers. Evan Phillips was unavailable. So Brewstar Gratterall got the ninth, and he picked up his fifth save of the year. To stream or not to stream, we will start with Friday, which 
we pointed out yesterday, not the best days. Uh, I think we said Christopher Sanchez against the Twins and Johan Oviedo against the Reds. I, I can't do Reed Detmers at the Astros, Scott. I can't. Nope. Uh, I don't really want to do those others either. I think Sanchez is fine. I mean, if if you're if I need to pick a third, honestly, I I might prefer this guy to Oviedo, Paul Blackburn at Washington. Yeah, I mean, they I just, guess the fact he pitches for the A's, you're almost certain he's not going to get a win. But yeah, I don't know. I, and that Cincinnati line is pretty scary. I, I know they haven't hit as well lately, but it's still pretty scary. That's true. On Saturday, this might be the best streaming day of all season, Scott. We've got mm-hmm. Gavin Williams, tougher matchup against Tampa Bay, but you know their lineup hasn't been great over the past month or so. Uh, Gavin Williams, I think, is solid. We've got... Uh, Cole Reagans, baby. Cole Reagans against the Cardinals. We've got Steven Matz at the Royals. I think that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, and then I think... Even a little bit deeper, Brandon Williamson has pitched well recently. He's at the Pirates. I, I think it's okay. It's start, right? What's up? Well recently. It's really just one good start. No, I think I what I give out the other day, like his last five or six starts, I think he's been solid. Listen, I just watched the Pirates lineup batter the Braves rotation yeah. <laughs> for four days in a row. So that's, that's true. I don't know. It's probably just Braves pitchers aren't that good, but uh I might prefer JP France against the Angels. I know it's a tougher matchup. Mm-hmm. I might prefer him to Brandon Williamson, though. That's Brand- just me. Brandon Williamson, since the start of July, seven games, a 319 ERA, a 104 whip, right around a strikeout printing. But cool. to put things in perspective, those first three we mentioned Gavin Williams, Cole Reagan, Steven Matz. I'm going to go on a limb here, having not seen Sunday yet. Those are the best three streamers of the weekend. Well, Scott. You are correct. Let's talk about <laughs> Sunday. Uh, it's This one's tough because Cutter Crawford had a good matchup against the Royals, did not pitch well. He's facing the Tigers on Sunday. I think it's all right. Uh, Jameson yeah. Tyone also pitching well recently. He's at the Blue Jays. Their lineup has not been very good. I think it's... I'll fun. take Silseth. Silseth at the Astros. Yeah. Tough spot to pitch. I'll still take him. Cutter so, Crawford second. Say, say it, Scott. Say it. And what? Jameson, what? Jameson Tyone's it. I don't, I don't <laughs> know about that guy. I don't know. That's a little, that's kind of RNG, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Maybe it'll work out. It's funny you said that because you have been saying the words random number generator a lot recently on the podcast. I was going to recommend, let's just say RNG and shorten it. Well, that, that is a true acronym that people are familiar with. Is that true? Yeah. Oh. RNG. You say RNG, people know what you mean, I think. <laughs> Maybe not this group, but yeah. our, our live audience here. I've I've always I've always wondered who are the people who tune in live to a a, a, a streamed fantasy baseball show at almost two in the morning. Don't, and now we know. Don't say it, it like that, Scott. It, it, it's a bunch of interior decorators. <laughs> it might be, yeah. Uh, my- this, this is yeah. My that's, guess, our, that's our niche audience. My guess would also be a lot of people on the West Coast or, I don't know, in another country. A bunch of interior decorators in California. That's what it is. If you are watching us live, write in in the comments right now and let us know where are you watching us from. We want to figure it out. We'll what pre- is your occupation? <laughs> and what is your yearly income? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.